Alright. Ugly sweater Christmas. Week three. Today we're talking about <clears throat> ugly motives and how sometimes, excuse me, <clears throat> and how not ugly coughing. That's not, that's next week, no. How our motives sometimes, the reason behind what we do can be pretty ugly. I'll open up with a rhetorical question. What motivates you the most? Think about that for a minute. What motivates you to do what you do and say what you say? Is it for um, a lot of common things like fame, <coughs> fortune, status, success, wealth, power? Maybe it's fear of failure. Maybe it's uh, you want the applause and the praise from other people, earthly rewards, stuff like that. Or are you motivated by things like a deeper growth, like a real, true passion for the things that make a difference in eternity? Are you motivated by the praises and applause of your Heavenly Father? Not people, but just the things you do in secret that He knows about. Does that motivate you? Those eternal rewards. And I'm not saying that just working a job so you can have money to feed your kids or yourself. I'm not saying that, um, well, if your motive's in the wrong place, you have to quit and not work. No. If you need food, if you need money, you know, go and get a job. Go work. Like, that's important. Kids got to eat, right? Lord knows. Kids got to eat. And they eat a lot. But... For a lot of things, what we want to do, well, today I want to encourage all of us, uh, is to be a people who have healthy motives. Healthy motives, God-like motives, Jesus-like motives, servant heart, servant attitude, things like that. Um, in a world that is filled with just self-motivation, or it's just all about me. And uh, when we have healthy motives, then we can live healthy lives of serving and loving God and Jesus and the people around us. That's what we want to do, right? That's what God commissioned us to do. To be the church and to be the church not just here in our little Christian bubble, but to be the church in the world. So, here's a hard truth. You can write this down if you have notes and a pen today. Sometimes we do the right thing for the wrong reasons. You ever do that? The right thing, hmm, but your motives weren't quite pure. Maybe like getting your wife a new vacuum for Christmas. <laughs> Guys, anybody been there? You don't have to raise your hands. You're already hurting enough, right? Maybe uh, <laughs> don't get your wife an appliance in the kitchen or in the laundry room unless she specifically asks for it. Just kind of steer clear. Because what is our motivation? Are you getting that present more for you or for her? That's a, a question we got to ask about our motivations. Who's it really for? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 in the New Testament. We're going to see mm, this passage about a lot of people doing a lot of the right things, but for a lot of the wrong reasons and what Jesus has to say about their hearts. Matthew 6, verse 1. Jesus says, Watch out 
Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets, look at me, in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating words again and again and again publicly. Right? Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. You can skip down to verse uh, 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled. Oh, I'm so hungry, I'm so tired. So people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, look like you're not fasting, essentially. Then, no one will notice that you are fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private. And your father, who sees everything, will reward you. We're going to stop there. Huh. What's the most important part about doing things? Do them for him. The heart. Who are we doing it for? That's exactly right, Jen. Is it for us? Is it so people look at me? Look, look how generous I am giving to the poor. Oh, look at me. Oh, look, 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 look. Look, I'm helping all these people. What's this? I had a cough drop just a minute ago. Thank you. It doesn't help very much. I appreciate you, Nancy. I'm working on it. I'm trying. Joe asked what was up with my voice this morning. I told him I was on testosterone pills. Hell yeah, Seth. Hell yeah, Seth. No, I've got plenty of testosterone. I'm all right. As, as the normal guy does, I'm okay, I'm average. Let's, let's get back to Jesus. Before I dig a hole. The heart is the most important thing. Right? They had this passion, these people back then, the Pharisees, they had this passion for making themselves look good and making themselves look spiritual and putting on this facade, this face. Hey, everybody, look at me. I'm so great. I'm so awesome. Like, I am my own God. You know, I'm worshiping myself. And they weren't that spiritual. They just pretended to be spiritual because they wanted everybody to think higher about them. But Jesus says, that reward, that applause, that's all you're ever going to get. Because your eternal reward, you're losing your eternal rewards in a way when all you're seeking after is the applause of people and the praise of men. Now, are good deeds bad in and of themselves? That person who is hungry, they're not hungry anymore. Is that a good thing? Yeah. Is prayer and fasting evil? Certainly not. Right? Um, is giving gifts wrong? Every kid would tell you, no, please, no. Oh, Christmas isn't here yet. Right? 
giving gifts, praying, fasting, being generous, it's all um, doing good deeds, so important. But what's most important is the heart that we do these things with. The reason of why we're doing this stuff. It matters just as much as what we're doing. Hmm. I struggle with that all the time. Giving with the right motives? Doing with the right motives? It's something that always comes up when thinking about something. Yeah. Is my heart in the right place? Mm -hmm. Sure. Am I judging these people too much for being in need? Do you think that... This is kind of a hard question. I don't even know the answer, but... Do you think that... Um, God and Jesus would want us to do these things. Give, serve, love, feed, uh, be generous. If our heart is not in the right place, perfectly. And where is that line? Where is that gray area where our hearts better some days than others? Those people are still being fed. Those gifts are still being given to Stefan's ministry or the, the food pantry ministry. So I don't know. It's, but, but what we want to do is, is focus on when we do these things, when we give, when we be generous, when we serve. Lord, please help my heart to be fixed with you. To be in that right place. Humble. Not proud. Not doing things to receive the world's praise. And how many likes can I get on Instagram? Look, here's a picture of me giving a homeless guy a sandwich. You know, how, many, how much comments and, and going viral can I do? That's not the point of giving. That's the opposite, Jesus says. And it's hard sometimes because you want to promote a ministry. Here's this thing happening in this place, Africa, Troy, wherever. And so you take pictures of the people helping with the kids or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Where's that gray? It's, it's a gray area. I don't know. But it all comes back to the heart. Where is their heart? and Where is our heart? What are we really chasing after? Kent, could we get those lights off, please? <laughs> oh. Joseph, are you okay? Oh. Ta da! <laughs> Can everybody see? Alright. Here's my spiel, okay? Oh! We live in a, I heard someone call it, a selfie centered world, right? You've heard self centered. It's all about me. Ah! I want the spotlight on me. I want to be number one. I want to be looked to, uh, get the, all the attention. Soak up all the praise. Soak up all the air in the room, right? Have you ever known anybody like that? Maybe that's been us from time to time. We want the spotlight on us. It's about me, myself, and I. Right? And um, it's a big temptation in our world to just have that spotlight only on us. It's normal. It's even expected to just focus on my thing, what I got going, what Dan's doing, my world. I, I heard this comedian one time, Brian Regan, he's, he's really funny. But he says, oh, you just live on you planet. You know, Captain you, live on you planet. And just not looking around at other people was his, his bit. 
not seeing other people out there because it's all about me. The spotlight is on me. My whole life. Continuously. But, but the problem is, when you only shine the spotlight on yourself, guess what happens? I know it has lights inside of it, so let's work with it a little bit. But here's what we should be doing. Right? Oh, sorry, Melanie. This is really bright. I know. We should be shining the spotlight on Jesus and on God. And when we shine, there's only so much room under the spotlight, you know? Ooh. And when we shine that spotlight on ourselves, it takes the focus, it takes the attention off of God and Jesus sometimes. Too often. When we just make it all about ourselves and how great I am and what I've done. We should be putting the spotlight where the credit deserves on the one who gave it all for us. We should be putting the spotlight on Jesus and on God and what they've done. What they gave at Christmas time. How they've changed the world. How they've changed the universe. How they've changed our lives and our eternity. We need to put the, the focus, the spotlight, whoop, where it deserves to be, on them. And quite honestly, it's much harder to lead people to God and Jesus when we're only focused on us. And when we sort of make ourselves out to be our own Savior and look how good I am, and like the Pharisees, right? Look at the good I'm doing. Look at what I'm saying. Look what I'm posting. Look where I am. Look what I bought. Look what I did. And people are like, is Jesus in your life at all? Or is it all about you? Do you live on you planet? Where's your spotlight in your life? Do you want just people to be impressed by you or with Jesus? What are you going after? I know it's that natural tendency. It's the it's a sin nature, our proclivity to just be so self-centered, so filled with pride, so lacking humility. But when we give our hearts to Jesus, He changes us. And we're growing in that every day, transforming into the person He's called us to be, not making less of ourselves, but making ourselves less. And propping Him up and putting ourselves down. So in your life, what do you want people to be impressed with? How good and awesome and righteous and holy and perfect you are? You try to hide your bad stuff. You try to put on that church mask, that facade, that face, and you're pretending. Like, ah, my family's so perfect. Look at all our pictures. We're so perfect all the time. I told you last week, if you were here, about how Dan was not perfect at Disney World. Right? You remember that? Rachel remembers that. So It's supposed to be the happiest place on earth, and Dan... Botched it up, right? Because I had to focus on myself and not on my family, not what I was supposed to be doing. Where do you want people's attention to go? To you or Jesus? Just think about where do your conversations go? At work, at home, at, you know, at leisure, whatever. When you're with your friends, your family, are you talking about the Buckeyes all the time? That's fine. Sometimes. Are you talking about Michigan? Or the Steelers or Bama. Or the Cleveland Indians. We do not say the G word in our house, nor will we ever. Okay? Or do your conversations drift towards eternal things? Like things that really matter. Things that really make a difference in life. Things that are centered and focused around God and Jesus. 
you know, every sermon I write, it's like whatever, I'm preaching Genesis chapter 1. I'm preaching Revelation 22 or somewhere in, the, in between. I talk about what it means as best I can and then I go to Jesus. Make a beeline to Jesus. In your conversations, do people even know that you're a Christian? Or would they by your conversations? By our conversations? Do we bring him up at all? Do we put any spotlight on Jesus? Or is it all, look what I did. Look what I bought. Here's what I did this weekend. Maybe when you're talking about at the water cooler, you know, you say, hey, what'd you do this weekend? What'd you do this weekend? I went to church. I wore an ugly sweater. I'm celebrating Christmas. Why don't you come next week too? And celebrate with us. People asking you what you did over the weekend is an open invitation to bring up Jesus. It's like, so easy, a segue, right there. It's just right there. It's just low-hanging fruit waiting for you to grab. So why do you do the things that you do? Why do you say the things that you say? Let's check our hearts. What, if our, what are our intentions? What are our motives? What are the reasons why we're doing it? Is it to lift up ourselves and worship ourselves and put that spotlight on ourselves? Or is it to put the spotlight squarely where it belongs for now and all eternity? on God and Jesus and the birth of our Savior. Something to think about. Hmm. Should I leave this up? Yeah. You can turn the lights back on, Kent. Or you could turn half of them on, Jason. There we go. I love that. I'm not a big yard decoration guy. I do have uh, some canes that I got for obvious reasons. Uh, Light up canes because we're the... Thank you. Um, but I've been thinking about getting a, a baby Jesus one for a while. And I was like, you know, if I use it for a sermon, then I have an excuse to buy it. I'm not going to do a minion, you know, holding a Christmas tree or something. Huh? Tax write-off. Tax write-off. Not quite, but... See, Rachel? It's for Jesus, right? It's for Jesus. And, you know, I saw one, we drive on Northbrook Lane to go home, and we pass Jay and Julie Vi's house all the time. And they've got a big Santa dachshund out there, and they've got, I'm sure, some sort of eagles thing. And they just put up a baby Jesus and a Joseph and a Mary. And I was like, that is really, see, that's one way. I'm not saying you have to buy a blow-up, but do people know at all that you uh, are a Christian? Now, this other person around the corner, her name's Holly, and Hallie knows her, and they have a leg lamp up in their window. <laughs> Fragile, right? It's a prestigious award. I saw this guy, we were driving on Stony Ridge. There was a guy out front of their house, not who lived there, taking a picture of the front of their house because he wanted, I'm, we're guessing, to show his wife the leg lamp from the Christmas story. So are you representing leg lamps in your life? Do people know you as the sports guy, the movie guy, the gal, the, the this or that? You're the taco person, you're the pumpkin pie person? Or do they know you as, man, that person has a passion for Jesus. And there's something about him, I just got to get to know him. That's, we we want to grow the, those, uh, not ugly motives in us, not selfish motives, but holy motives in us, so we represent him well to the world because he is the true hero not us sometimes we make ourselves out to be the hero of our story don't we the truth is Jesus is the true hero and we're just 
along for the ride. We're just grateful to know him and be saved by him. So turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read about this baby Jesus. Luke chapter 2. You can read this with your kids, maybe before you open presents. This is how the newborn king started. Luke 2, verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, he decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Why do you think God gave us this gift of baby Jesus? Shout it out. Why did God give us the gift of Jesus? So that he could have us. So he could be back in right relationship with us? What's that over here, Beth? To save his people from their sins? All wonderful answers. Correct answers. When you boil it down to a single word, I think it's love. Love. For God so loved the world, right? It's not so God, for God so appreciated the world, or God thought the world was just okay, or he kind of sort of maybe wanted to be with us sometimes when we weren't little snots, you know. No, God loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. Jesus, so that whosoever knows him can be saved and have eternal life. Love. His grace, mercy, forgiveness, all boils down to his love for us. You can write this down, last thought, if you're taking notes. The most godly motivation is love. Hmm. It all goes back to that. Love. Love was born in a manger that night. Love to save the world from their sins. Such a humble birth, wasn't it? Our, the Savior of the world. The Messiah. The Anointed One of Israel to save us from our sins. Was He born in the Ritz-Carlton? Was He born in a castle as a king? No. He was born in a stinky, smelly, farm animal ridden barn in this backwoods, redneck sort of hick, small town of Bethlehem. And they put him, they laid him in a manger. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Unless you actually know what a manger is. You're a farm person. And you're like, they put him in a feeding trough? Like, didn't they have an Amazon or Walmart baby registry where they could get a crib or something? No. <laughs> they had none of that. They put him in the feeding trough for an animal. Because he's what? Food for the world. Ah, oh, I never thought of that, Nancy. Okay. So we eat his body and drink his blood and he's giving us life? The name translates to house of bread. So that's significant. House of bread. He is the bread of life. How about that? Boom. Did you ever think about that before? The sustainer of life. Yeah. I couldn't get the kids that's okay. You're not the only one, Nancy. Can't get the kids to focus. 
Just talk to every parent ever of all time. <laughs> That's how our Lord came into existence. In a barn, in a feeding trough, with animal, fecal matter around. Humility. Humble. Because of His love for us. God's grace is like that, isn't it? Very humble beginnings is God's love. And clearly, I mean, we can see from reading the scriptures, Jesus' whole life, from birth to death and resurrection, his motives, his heart, of course he's perfect, but he never disobeyed and he always had pure motives for wanting to love and serve and give and help the people around him be saved. It wasn't for recognition and praise to hear his name shouted or up in lights, to be in the spotlight. He wanted his God, his Father, to be in the spotlight. And that message, the gospel message, that you can be saved from your sins, preaching the kingdom of God, that was the reason why he came, scriptures say. It's the reason why we celebrate Christmas, because of this divine act of humility, the, the humble birth of Jesus. He truly did set in a, uh, such a, a humble example for us, didn't he? And hopefully we follow. I want to read this. This is what Paul wrote to the Philippian church. Excuse me. About humility. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, of the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Boy, we sure need this in our world today, don't we? Good night. Have this mind among yourselves, he says, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Such power in those words. Jesus humbled himself, obedient even to the point of death. And God lifted him up. And God exalted him. See, that's the thing. If we are so prideful, it's all about me, I want to be in the spotlight. It's me, myself, and I, I live on you planet, me planet. We've already received our reward. And pride goes before a fall, and haughtiness before destruction, and God opposes the proud, all those verses that are in your notes. But God lifts up the humble, and He exalts those who are lowly, and just serve without anybody knowing, and give without anybody knowing, and do things from a proper, from a, a godly motivation. And rise above the selfie-centered world that is all around us. That is our goal, that is our aim in the Christian life. So let's seek the things we really should be focusing on. There's so many things you can focus on in life. And I know a lot of people are ADD. 
ADHD, right? Squirrel, cloud, you know, like, woo-hoo. It's so hard to focus sometimes, especially kids, right, Nancy? But may our hearts and our lives and our motives, our words and our actions next week that we're going to talk about, be focused on the Savior of the universe, born in a manger, who changed, he split history, and he changed eternity for all of us. And there's so much uh, in the Christmas season, isn't there? So much busyness and got to do this and got to go here and got to wrap this and I don't know what to buy them and they're so hard to buy for and maybe I'll just get her a vacuum again this year. Just checking. No, nothing. Okay. That's a no. How about we focus on love? Born in a manger. Joy. Peace to all men for all eternity. Hope that is beyond the the difficulties and trials and chaos and suffering of this world, maybe we focus on um, giving of ourselves, humility and generosity in every way, our time, our talents, and our treasures. And we're going to sing one last song. And as we do, I want to uh, just give this challenge or maybe an encouragement. Lots and lots of giving opportunities during the Christmas season, lots of Giving opportunities, serving opportunities all year, really. And for our for this next week and for next year, maybe you make this your New Year's resolution, I know. To be a secret servant agent. Secret agent, man. To be a secret, not service, but servant agent. What do I mean? For you to be a secret servant agent, to do things that nobody sees, to pray where nobody hears your fancy prayers, to give and serve where nobody's watching, and to do these things that God has called you and I to do with no credit, no accolades, no likes on our social media, no going viral because we help the homeless person down the street, no, none of that, but just... Humility, servant heart with the right motives, just blessing people in the name of Jesus and putting that spotlight squarely where it belongs on our Savior. Seeking to give Him all the praise and all the worship and all the accolades, not us. It's all about Jesus so that people can know Him and be saved by Him. Amen. Let's stand and sing praises to our Savior born in a manger.
Father, you know it's hard in our sinful human condition, but I pray that every day, in every way, every area of our life, you would help us to surrender it to you. All that we are is yours, Lord. We don't want to hold anything back from you. We want all your blessings, all your um, power, all your spirit, all your strength, and to do that, we've got to have you inside our heart much more than us. I pray this week as we go from here that um, mm, Christmas is one week away and help us to focus on the things that really, truly matter and make a difference in eternity and to share that difference maker named Jesus with the people around us so we can celebrate all together, pack the sanctuary out next week, the birth of your son who changed everything. Jesus changes everything. In His powerful name, everybody said, Amen.